filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Hey everybody, it's your buddy Gavin, and uh, I want to do something special this week. As many of you know, Guns N' Roses, in terms of Slash, Duff, and Axel, got back together for the first time in a long, long time in 2016. In fact, they called the tour the Not In This Lifetime Tour. And what I thought would be fun, because I got to go to a show in Phoenix, was talk to some of my friends who went to different Guns N' Roses shows this summer throughout the country. Um, I'm not going to lie. The show was way better than I thought it would be, and I thought it would be a lot of fun to ask other people um, if it was as good for them. A couple of these people saw multiple shows. So, for instance, um, both of the opening Las Vegas shows, back when Axel's foot was broken, I've got people who went to that. I've got people who went to the show in the Boston area at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, people who went to show, uh, the show in the New York City area at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Uh, I went to Phoenix as well as my buddy Bob, my buddy Tim, and our buddy Justin Roberts, and then I believe Bob also went to Atlanta. So I've got a big smattering of concerts, and um, what I'll do is um, just take you through the different interviews, but hopefully you enjoy talking about it, and if you got to see Guns N' Roses this summer, leave us uh, some messaging on what you thought on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash filibusterfreestyle. On SoundCloud, soundcloud.com filibusterfreestyle. iTunes, just search filibusterfreestyle at Gavin Viano on Twitter or on our, on our new website, www.filibusterfreestyle.com. Thanks a lot, and check it out. Okay, so we got to know what happened up in Boston. Again, your buddy Gavin, Filibuster Freestyle. I'm here with Boston concert goer extraordinaire and former swim team member of mine, Cindy Harrington. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, you go to a lot of concerts, obviously, right? I do. So... Was this Guns N' Roses show that you went to just because, like, you love to go to concerts, or was this, like, extra special because you actually grew up and, like, love Guns N' Roses? Definitely because of Guns N' Roses. Okay. Um, I have been a fan for a long time. I went with my sister, who's eight years older than I am, and uh -huh. she sort of very much influenced uh, my love for Guns N' Roses. Nice. So, yeah, it was fun to go with her. So, like, she, she kind of introduced you to Guns N' Roses back in the day? Yeah. Well, there's this... Family story that my mom <laughs> found her Guns N' Roses tape, probably like Appetite for Destruction, in her boombox when she was at school one day uh -huh. when I was home. And I saw my mom pulling all of the tape out of the cassette and just like leaving it on her bed. For wow. Her to find so she home. like trashed her Guns N' Roses Appetite yeah. for Destruction tape. And yes. so that's really cool that like years later, you know, I guess your sister's eight years older than you, so she's probably about 40-ish, I'm guessing. Yeah. And you're, you know, in your 30s, and you guys can go see this, or basically what's the closest thing to the original Guns N' Roses lineup. Yeah. For the first time ever. Okay, so you went to Boston. They were there two nights in Foxborough. Did you go to the first night or the second night? I went Tuesday night. That was the first night. Okay, so it was totally sold out. Totally sold 60, out. 60,000 plus people, like, whatever it mobbed. was. Okay. It's crazy. Any good people watching stories from the parking lot or from the arena itself, the stadium itself? I mean, I just, the costumes and the get-ups that people were wearing were like crazy a lot yeah of like old school t-shirts and like ripped jeans and all that i don't really have like a really good specific people watching yeah just, i had one and i i'm gonna have my I, my friend actually someone a guy you know from high school as well bob yeah. sullivan on eventually he's i think he saw them three times this summer that's crazy 
awesome. Once in Vegas, I believe. Once, uh, I forget, maybe DC or something. He was there for work. And then, obviously, I saw it with him in Phoenix. And so I'll talk about this. But my, my favorite story was um, we were, like, near, like, a, a, one of, near the aisle. And yeah. so, like, it's a football stadium and there's a staircase. And we were down by the front of, like, the 50-yard line-ish area. So, like, anybody who was on the field had to go by, like, our seats and then go down the stairs. Right. And then this woman and her boyfriend or whatever – like she was amped for this show, and but like she also didn't understand that like that she was basically in front of a point of egress. Yeah. And every time somebody would like you know stop at the landing and they had an awesome shot of the stage and like people would try to get a selfie or get a picture, take, right. you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move, and they just kept doing it and doing it and um like she, yeah. like literally if it's like, you know they played because you know like two and a half hours. Yeah. The lady was just like not afraid to like tell every person to move like if they were lingering for like a half a second too long it was unbelievable. She wanted uh, to see yeah, actual. yeah, she really wanted to see everything and it's like but there's giant jumbotrons like right. you're not missing anything. Yeah. It's all good. Um. All right. So that's. That's fair. And I know Foxborough can be a crazy place for, for people watching, but I understand if it was just kind of right of the mill. Yeah. Um, Pretty vanilla. Okay, so favorite song that they played for you in this tour? Uh, for me, it was Civil War. I mm-hmm. think they sort of rocked that one out the best. Yep. And it was really, really fun to hear that in concert. Yeah, so, and they did it well. Yeah, they, they did, did it really, really well. well. Yeah. Um, and as I was noting during some, some part of our pre-show, uh, apparently the last song that Steven Adler recorded with the band. Yeah. And I guess crazy. he may have played that as well as I think my Michelle when the Guns N' Roses concert was ending at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Um, I get to see my Michelle, which bums me out. We'll get into that in a minute. But okay, yeah. so Civil War's your favorite. Yeah. Which song or songs do you wish they played? A bunch. Yeah. Um, I really like 14 Years. Good song. Absolutely. I wish they... I, I have heard them play Yesterdays in concert before. Okay, back I in saw, the day. Yeah, I okay. saw them back in like... But that would have been a nice one. That did not get played. That was a good one. Um, and you did or didn't hear Don't Cry? I did not. And that's a bummer. That's like my number one. Yeah. I've never heard them sing that before. Yeah, that's a bummer. We didn't have that either in, in Arizona. But apparently, like you mentioned to me, they actually played it as part of the encore the second night of Foxborough. They did, yeah. And it sounds like a lot of the places where they did two shows, that instead was, of Patience, right. they did Don't Cry, which I would have been bummed out if I didn't hear Patience either. Yeah, it's kind of a weird song to switch out for Correct. Like, those are two money songs. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, we talked a bit, and I did some research, obviously, on it. And, like, Locomotive, I would have loved to have heard. Yeah. Um, like you said, 14 Years would have been great. Yesterday's would have been great. Yeah. And then um, Pretty Tied Up. Which yeah, I forgot existed, such a great song. and like we were talking about that song the other day, and um, what a banana song that is, I, and like that would have been phenomenal. It's a huge misstep on their part, I think. No, my only question, or my only thought on that is like I think that was one of the Izzy Stradlin jams, and maybe right. since Izzy is like the only member who's not down with his tour, yeah, because um, even though Stephen Adler's not touring, he's come to a couple concerts and played with them. Right. It's maybe they he's not touring, right? And they they've definitely maybe moved away from Izzy's jams. Could be. I don't know, but That's like pretty tied up. Next time you guys get together, or like when you go to South America, or you know, if you ever listen to the Sylvester Freestyle, I want to come on. That's maybe I can song. get Stephen Adler. Anyway, or maybe I can get Izzy Stradlin. Yeah, probably neither. But uh, right. you know, if we can get our boy Brian Burton, we can get anybody. That's uh, right. No, but so anyway, sorry. I I think pretty tied up. And then obviously, I wanted to hear "Get in the Ring." Yeah. I understand why they couldn't play that. Probably it's profanity laced. I also understand that you they can't play that. "Use a Lover." And I love that song. And one in a million. Terrible. Yeah, well, they're great songs, and they came out in the eighties. Yeah. Like, not that it was okay to be like really, really inappropriate towards violence towards women right. at the time, but like <laughs> ostensibly that song's about Axel's dog. Yeah. And it's a really catchy tune. It is. And that's it all works. I'm saying. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. I would have loved to hear some more GNR lives during that. Yeah. Um, you brought this up to me because you saw them in Boston, 
And obviously, there was a, probably a six-week lull between when I saw them. And you, right. t- you had asked me, I, you know, really want to see what your thoughts are on their interactions on stage. And so, yeah. what were your thoughts, just in terms of their interactions on stage? I just felt like they weren't very cohesive on stage. Like, there wasn't a lot of interactions between them. Like, the only time I saw Slash and Axel really interact was when he was on the piano in November 8th, mm-hmm. and Slash came up to do his, like, big solo but they were just, like, all very separate on stage. Yep. Like, not a lot of togetherness, not a lot of, like, playfulness between them. Yep. Um, so we just thought it was odd. Yeah, and that's fair. Like, I will say this. It's a huge stage. Yeah. Right? So, like, they, they have to, like, work the crowd. But I do agree that there wasn't a lot of, like, when they would switch spots, there wasn't a lot of interaction between them. Like, oh, right. like, what's up, dude? Like, yeah. I'm going this way now. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of that. I think, as I told you, uh, pre, pre-show, if you will, that... There was a little bit of a thing where Axel bumped into yeah. um, Slash like, on purpose, like but like playfully, and like it, it seemed, it was interesting and like good, like it, right. you know I don't I don't know the Slash, I mean he doesn't actually really even talk during the show, yeah he doesn't do backup. It's not a very emotive person, correct? In general. Correct, yeah. he left his plane. Yeah, talking. exactly. Um, I would say that Slash had some interactions, obviously with Duff. I would say that yeah. Duff had interactions with like I believe his name was Richard Fortis, who is the other guitar player, right? Um, I think Duff actually walked around a lot to the rhythm section, like up by where Dizzy Reed, and then I forget her name now, but the woman I believe her name might be Michelle, the blue hair, yeah, excellent singer. Good, yeah, you know, they, he Duff moved around a lot up there. He Axel did. did too. Right. Axel actually did some interactions. I feel like with the drummer. Yeah. With him, I think it's like Frank Fair. Uh, I knew all this earlier this week. Um, anyway, the bottom line is that I agree there was not a ton of interaction, and they were very business. Yeah. Like, it was like, we're coming out, we're rocking this, right. Axel will, like, politely say thank you. Yeah. And then they'll roll right into the next jam. Which is fine. Like, I just want to see them hammer out as many hits as they can. So I don't need a lot of that. Correct. I just thought Correct. it was interesting. Which, uh, a few more questions here. Which um, cover did you enjoy the most? And they did a lot of covers. Some that are, like, recorded, like, Guns N' Roses covers, and some that, like, they just decided to cover on this tour. Yeah. I I mean, I liked The Seeker. I mean, I thought that was good. Which was, by The Who, correct? Right. Yep. Which was interesting. It was in the encore. Like, I would have kind of preferred one of their jams during the encore. Correct, but, correct. Um, no, I liked that. It was cool. Okay. So, and, yeah, and I would say of their of the covers that they weren't like, because, like, obviously, um, Live and Let Die, like, yes, it's a cover, oh, but yeah, it's their song. Yeah, Like, they exactly. made it. They made it, I think, we've probably talked about it before. I know we have. It might be a better version than Paul McCartney's version, and yeah. that's okay, Paul McCartney. Yeah. We're not coming for you. They just have like the benefit of already having a great song to work with. That's right. Nice work there. Sorry, Wings. Sorry, Wings. Yeah, <laughs> come on. I mean, first of all, Wings is like, imagine like Wings is the sophomore slump of like being in the Beatles, which like Wings was like Grammy award winning, like course, rock yeah. and roll Hall of Fame members in their own right, but so like this dude is in the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. This dude is Paul McCartney. Right. Like that's how it goes. Um, the other band, I, or sorry, the cover that they do was obviously Bob Dylan's Knocking on Heaven's Door. Yes. Which was fantastic to see live. My right. first time seeing it live. Yeah. My first time seeing Guns N' Roses, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I've asked you this, and I don't know that you have an answer. I'm going to try and take a stab at it live in the air here. If they could play any song, cover it, that they don't play already, do you know what it would be? I really, like, I need to think about this for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. It has to, like, fit into who they correct. are, too. Correct. So it's kind of hard to come up. How, what do you think? Well, you first know? of all, I, I didn't think about this until I listened to Lies <laughs> yesterday, but um, Mom Kin... Like by Aerosmith, which right. they recorded, so I guess it's kind of me, you know, like spamming out of it a little bit. Yeah. But that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then another one that would have been really cool, and I just thought of this now too because I hadn't had my decision yet. But 
as we know, Axel helped ACDC, ACDC finish the last leg of their tour. Right. With Brian Johnson, like literally, his ears are going to fall off, and yeah, he can't tour anymore. He's which, doing stuff you know, poor Chanel for his ears because he's not—he's not dead, but that sucks that he can't perform anymore. Right. I know he loves it. I know the band loves it. It's not many times you can replace like a, a legend like Bon Scott and like get like quote unquote better. Right. But like Brian Johnson is definitely the lead singer yeah. of ACDC. But Axel helped them out, and I don't—I didn't go into those shows. No. Um, I would love to see Axl Rose sing Thunderstruck, and, yeah, and I like with, that. but with Guns N' Roses, and yeah. like I'm sure he did it well with our boys in ACDC, but we're not here right. to talk about ACDC. So I'm gonna kind of scan out on that. I know Axl's been doing those, and that would have been cool because it would have been a little bit of an homage to like, oh yeah, this is what I'm up to right this now. This is what I did, prior and to this. like yeah. this is how they get ready for the tour. Absolutely. Let's talk about this. wasn't a question, but I I want I know you've got a good take on it, or I, I feel like you will, yeah. which is Axl's fitness level. <laughs> oh my god, for a 54 year old man. Right. And you were saying, because you saw him in 02. Yeah. Which when he was about like a 42-year-old man. Maybe, you know, 40, yeah. 40, 39, 40. Right. And you said he was a little, you know, chubber, you know, chubbers and cornrowed and like out of breath. Totally out of breath. Like, I was really worried for him. He definitely sounded better this time around. I oh, think, my God. Because he was running all over that stage. I was shocked. Like sprinting. It's totally sprinting. And, and changing old having wardrobes. having a foot injury and, yeah. and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And you're, like, a medical professional. So you That's know, right. like, coming back from that broken foot yeah, is tough. And it's not easy. And he shows no signs of uh, fatigue, no, no signs of being out of shape. Like, he came to play. He did. And I think that, like, my biggest, like, the reason I want to talk to everybody who, well, not everybody I know who went, because a lot of people went, but yeah. a number of people who went in different locations is, like, just... I was cautiously optimistic that this was going to be like a completely badass experience, and like they actually found a way to exceed my expectations. They crushed um, it. And even if I'd gone in there thinking it was going to be the best thing ever, they still would have because like uh, how on point they were. Yeah. And I was pumped by that. Um, awesome. Okay. Do you think this lineup will write and produce any new music? And like really write, write and release together. Together. See, si. see, si, Senorita. Sorry, I want a Spanish kick. Do it to Spain. I apologize. <laughs> Quite right. I feel like no. I, and the reason kind of goes back to their stage interactions. I think they're making a ton of money from this. Mm -hmm. And I think they didn't realize how big it was going to be. Oh. And now it's great. Yeah. But I don't think there's still a lot of love there. So Correct. I think they're just kind of like playing to make some cash. Right. Kind of like right. cruise through this whole tour. But they yeah. extended it. I mean, they're going to they South did. America. They're going, they're going to uh, Australia. Australia. I mean, there's going to be some serious time together. Yeah. Where who knows? Who knows? Um, My vote is no. I don't think so. You don't think like in a perfect world, would you want them to? So, you know, again, like you know, you just said your piece, but like, would you want them to? Yeah, I, you know, I don't love Chinese democracy, which is you know Axel's latest. Correct you know, from 08. Piece of work. From 08, and he wound up firing basically everybody in the band right. during the course of making. It. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know that I could love anything more than what they already have. So I would say no. Okay. I kind of just want them to be who they are. Got you. Now, if you if they did, and obviously you said you don't want them to, and you said you don't think they will. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like really reaching. Yeah. Uh, do you think, how do you think it would resonate with the public? Oh, I mean, I think people would totally buy into it. I yeah. mean, people still bought into Chinese democracy. Correct. Um, 100%. Especially when you go on like a world stage. Like there's a lot of <laughs> 7 billion people on the earth. Yeah. Like, a lot of people who don't live in America are like, they've continued to have big crowds in South America this whole time. Right. Yeah. Like they will, it will sell. Yeah. Um, and if they went on a tour, people would still show up, but they would probably more want to hear all the 80s and 90s stuff. No question. Yeah. I mean, that's their bread and butter for sure. Um, okay. My thought on that, and we'll get you out of here on this unless you have any words of wisdom around Guns N' Roses. My thought on that is, obviously, I don't think music, new music by anybody will ever resonate the way music resonated in like the late 80s when someone had a hit. Because 
there was so many more channels now to get your music. Yeah. There's so many less or ways to get music without buying it. There's right. so much the music's way more fractured. But I do think it would hit. I also think that if they confronted and or addressed like the songs, if we knew the songs were about like them talking about each other. Yeah. Like if the songs alluded to like, you know, beefs they've had or like getting over those beefs. Right. Like almost like, you know, a concept album of like what the F has been going on with our relationships. Right. Like, and even though they're like, you know, they're platonic or like business relationships or yeah. not like romantic relationships. Like I feel like people, if it was kind of like an inside look through music at like what the hell is going on and maybe even like why the heck they agreed to do this besides money. Right. Or even if it's just about money. Yeah. Like that could be a funny song and like I, I could get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway. All right, cool. Well, I, like I said, any, any like words of, or last thoughts on the Guns N' Roses piece for you? No, I mean, they did so so great i the concert that i saw in 2002 like i always said that was probably the best show i've ever been to yep. but now this is like far far that's fantastic yeah all right and then un- unrelated and, and hopefully this will get in this will probably get in because it's still relevant now yeah um, ryan lochte you were a swimmer uh one yeah. of your really good friends swam with him in college correct um and obviously she's a staunch lochte defender in terms of his person like he's a yeah a good person but um just what are you, what are any thoughts on the, well, not, you know, I'll ask you this because you're also a, um, you're about to join Daryl Richie O'Brien as one of our reality TV correspondents for the freestyle moving forward. What are your thoughts on him going on Dancing with the Stars? That's the question I want to ask you. You know, I think it's, I think it's a good move. I think he needs to do like a little apology tour. I think he needs people to see more of like what he's like. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, <laughs> it will be a little bit redeeming for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he needs to do something. I don't think he can just kind of slink away. Cause right. People aren't, you know. Especially because he can't make it. Like, we, we've talked about this too. Like, Phelps got a chance to make up for it by coming back again and crushing it. And yeah. then, like, not doing anything dumb, like, literally during the games. And, right. like, Lochte, this was, like, his final meet too. Yeah. And, even though he says it's not. Right. But, like, his performance indicated that unless he either gets really healthy, uh, and by that I mean he uses steroids or something right, like he needs, yeah. you know, at 31, he's not likely to get any faster. Right. Um, and, maybe he could cut up partying if he parties and all that and do what kind of what Phelps did and yeah. just have a renaissance and maybe do it like one or two events and come back. And like, if he did that, yeah. I think he could have his sponsors back. But to yeah. your point, he's got to do something now while the iron is hot or really cold, but right. hot in the bad way. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, he's got to like, to your point, like show his personality and yeah, he's going to do an apology. Do you him. think he can dance? That's the last question for you. He's an I, athlete, but he's a swimmer, so it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he could have a little rhythm. I think he could maybe, I don't think he's going to win it, but yep. I think he's a competitive, and I think he might be like in the middle of the pack. Nice. All right. Well, that's good. If he can get on for a few weeks and not get eliminated early, right. like, like we were just saying, he's got a chance to like have America hopefully turn. And I think I might actually him. watch it with him on. I usually don't watch Yeah, it. I don't watch it, but I have to now. Yeah. And I, I think, think we're going to get your friend Katie on the show to talk about him once it starts. Like yeah. She'll come on. So this is kind of like a, a plug for her to yeah. like start thinking about it. And then you can work on her in the back channels. Absolutely. But, all right. Well, Cindy, we'll get you out of here. Thanks for being on. Well, um, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and everybody else listening. Filibusterfreestyle.com. Check it out. And, uh, Talk to you soon. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you. Okay, next up is my cousin Jory's husband and my buddy, Bill Tose, co-founder of Axis Mundi Records. Uh, Bill's a huge Guns N' Roses fan, and in fact, when we lead in, it'll be me confirming that Guns N' Roses is in his all-time top five. 
due to some editing issues, you'll be getting it mid-question, but that is the question I'll be asking him. Check out my man, Bill Toast from Axis Mundi Records. In your all-time top five, I remember two, Guns N' Roses and Prince, right? Who are the other three? Yeah, Nirvana's in there, Ween. Um, Prince, Roses. Those yeah, probably your Mount Rushmore. Hard to decipher which one I like more. Correct. So you are all in on Guns N' Roses and have been. Um, and you, did, yeah. did, did you go to, I, I feel like you went to a lot of Guns N' Roses shows even during the time when Axel was basically just the only Guns N' Roses in the band, correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I went to, so it went in 2000. Two, I think. Okay. Uh, that's what Ed was still in. And that's, but we didn't get to see them. We went to the Philadelphia show that ended up in a riot. Uh, <laughs> Axel, like, some DJ in New York made fun of Axel, or no, a Philadelphia DJ made fun of Axel about his New York performance. So yeah. He just stayed in a hotel room all night and wouldn't come to Philadelphia. It's so, like the opening bands went on. We were like running around the place, like, so, this is like, we've, I've been waiting to see Guns N' Roses for a long time like my friend and i used to be like oh we'll go to whenever there's a show we'll go to the nearest one or like as many in like a you know certain radius or something yes uh, then they did some vegas shows and they did like rock in rio in like 2001 uh yep any of those but then uh we bought tickets they did a tour bought tickets for philadelphia and dc uh was gonna do new york but was like oh it's kind of far so we'll go to these two shows and then yeah, they played in New York. My brother got to go, and then Philadelphia ends in a riot. The yep. tourist came, so we didn't get didn't get to see him. Yeah. I, I, all right. So let me ask you this question off the bat, which is: Is the reason you went to the Las Vegas show because you wanted to go to the first show so that wouldn't happen to you again? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know if we were making past Vegas, so I was like, oh, we need, I need to go to the first show. Yeah. I, really want to see. I literally, my buddy Bob. Coachella. Correct, so, correct. My, my buddy Bob Sullivan, who will be on the show, uh, probably late next week I'll probably record it with him before I mash this whole thing up. He went to three this summer, including the one in Vegas, and he was the one who said to myself, my buddy Tim, hey, come out to Phoenix in, in August and we'll see Guns N' Roses. And I said, if Guns N' Roses is still together in August, that'll be great. But if we're going to Phoenix in August to not see Guns N' Roses, that will not be great. But it all worked out. It all worked out. And so... You did you only go to the, the Vegas show this time around, or did you go anymore? Oh, uh, I went to New York, and actually the Vegas show was somewhat of a letdown. It was it was awesome. Yep. But I a lot to like the old, you know, the Axel and the hired people. Yep. And I, it got a little old towards the end. I mean, I saw him at Brooklyn Bowl, which is tiny. Yes. And that was like. I don't know. It just it got a little old after a while. But then seeing them in Vegas, the Slash, they just weren't tight. They, you know, it was like their first time playing together. It was a big place. Like Slash didn't really move and like stood there. Yep. And uh, it wasn't the best playing on his part. There was like no interaction. It was kind of awkward. I mean, it, it was awesome, but it was not. My mind wasn't blown like it was when I went and saw him in New York. Cor- uh, Correct. So you would say, I mean, obviously they were kind of playing their way into into shape, if you will. Um, and wasn't yeah. wasn't Axel like in Dave Grohl's throne because he had broken his leg or something yeah. like that or his foot? Throne, uh, which I thought was a plus at the time because of how out of like other shows, his his voice was getting pretty bad. Like yeah, it was 
Like in 2006, it was really good. Yep. And then it kind of went downhill from there. And then so I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's why he sounds good because he's not like running around. Right. Uh, uh, you know. But I'll, but I'll tell you this. By the end of the tour, because I saw him now two weeks ago, um, he he was sprinting around like a madman, and we'll get into that. But he he did not miss a beat towards the end of the show at all. Like he definitely is now in like full, probably best shape he's been in since like the the eighties. You know what I mean? Like he's killing it, dude. Yeah, definitely. Um, we yeah, we actually got up on like the barrier. We. Uh, Ended up getting pit tickets for the MetLife one. Yep. And wow, so you were in the pit at the Giants and Jet football stadium. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. I'd never been to a you know stadium show before, let alone be like down on the field. Like we were on the barrier. It That's amazing. Like that. So all right, so yeah. let's let's talk about. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay, so you saw them twice. Obviously, you said the New York one blew your mind, and it sounded like the band was finally kind of really in the in the pocket, if you will. What was like your favorite song they played? If you can, if you can break it down uh, to one song, it's hard, right? But coma. Oh, you told me that. Okay. So I never thought they'd ever play coma. Like ever. I mean, they'd only played it once, like on the usual illusion tours, they played it once or twice, maybe. Yeah. Recording like on, if you buy the live era, yep. if you buy that record, it has a live version of coma on it. Really? It's like the only real recording of it. I think they played it like once or twice, you know, besides that. But uh, that was my biggest letdown because I missed the first Vegas show. My friend decided to get married like that day. Like, I mean, three weeks on Friday. Oh. And that was the first Guns N' Roses show. I was like, dude, are you serious? So you had to go to the second night. So we went out for the second night, and I had known already that they played Coma. I didn't know if they were going to just play it every night because it's like, you know, their longest song. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> November Rain, uh, Estranged, and Coma is like an hour's worth of music. Yeah, I was going to say, when you think about the fact that they did two and a half hours of music, at least in Phoenix, and then you say they only played 23 songs, and you're like, well, three of them did take an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not to mention that Slash played a concerto of the of the Godfather theme, love theme song for about 20 minutes, too, which I was cool with. I was totally cool with. I was actually blown away by... When I figured out that's what he was doing, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Um, all right, so Coma. So, back in the day as well. Re- oh, really? Okay. Old, yeah, stable. Nice. And so Coma definitely is a winner for you. That's cool. I didn't realize they had never really played it before back in the day. All right, which songs do you wish they played? And you went to see them twice. Did you, For instance, did you see Don't Cry? Yeah, I did. I got to see Don't Cry and Patience. I much prefer Don't Cry to Patience, to be honest. Um other tracks I wish they played yeah well that's the one thing that I actually really liked about when it was Axel and the higher people is they would play like Think About You some of the rare like Appetite tracks correct never play. correct they played the punch which was pretty awesome I really wish they'd do You're Crazy and Used to Love Her yeah yeah I, like, I, Bach came out and did My Michelle yeah I feel like um, the biggest issue with wait who came out and did My Michelle oh Adler uh, I've seen Sebastian Bach will come out and do My Michelle. He did that, like, for a while. He, like, helped Axel get his voice back, and they've been, like, buddies for a bit, I guess. But, yeah, he came out in Vegas and did My Michelle with him. That's super cool, because I thought you said Adler, because I know Steven Adler did My Michelle in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. Um, I see Steven Adler. He did some, like, 
Midwest shows, I think. Yeah, he did two in the Midwest, and he did. Yeah, he did. He did two in the Midwest, and then he did one in LA, I guess. Yeah. Um. But so anyway, so that's I had no idea Sebastian Bach did that, and and props to him for getting Axel his voice back because Axel is just smashing it right now, which we can get into as well. I didn't get to say this the last time I recorded, so the one song I wish they had played is is uh, Dead Horse from the end of Usual Illusion Two, which you pointed out to me when we were texting back and forth. Obviously, an Izzy Stradlin tune, and, and obviously Izzy's the one dude who's really resisted this reunion, or at least didn't sign on. So, makes total sense. But what do you? Like you were saying that you felt like those jams at the end of Usual Illusion Two, which are mainly Izzy's, are pretty much. I mean, they're pretty badass in their own right, correct? Yeah, I. That's like my favorite run. I mean, I, you know, even if you really like a band, you burn it out on listening to them. So I don't. I've been listening to a fair amount of Guns recently, but for years I didn't. I never really put on their music, um, except for like that final run of like "Don't Damn Me," "Bad Apples," "Dead Horse," "Coma." Yeah. Um, Dead Horse is awesome. Dead Horse actually, I think Axel wrote that. Axel plays the intro guitar. Yes. Right. That. Right. Right. I saw them play that live in '93 in Hartford. Oh, it's so cool. Hartford there it's like you know Axel plays like the acoustic guitar on it um Dead Horse would have been awesome I would have loved to see that uh and yeah the Izzy thing I don't know I was shocked he didn't come out because I saw him come out with them twice I think when it was all the other people really I don't know why he came out he didn't come out I thought for sure in LA Steven Adler and Izzy would definitely come out yeah I mean because how epic would that be and I I read some Gilby Clark interview the other day about how you know Gilby Clark was like, well, unless it's the six of us, it doesn't count. And it's like, well, first of all, no, Gilby Clark, it doesn't count. It does count. You weren't on Appetite and you weren't on Lies, and like Appetite's all that really matters. He just played the tour. Correct. Izzy did all, he didn't come in and like Izzy played the first half of the Usually Illusion tour. Gilby was, and it's funny because like I look at like Richard Fortas, who's just like a Izzy clone on like. He really Steve looks Ray. a lot like Izzy. <laughs> And then I realized, I was like, dude, that's what Gilby was just the first, he was like the original clone Correct. Uh, of Izzy, you know, it was like, Correct. back then you're young, and he was there for like their, the height of it, at least, you know, for me, so it was like, oh yeah, Gilby's like a normal person in the band, but you look back on it, you're like, dude, you didn't record any music with him, not Correct, one song. correct, so to, just, yeah, so to your point, if Izzy came back, what's that? Because like, it's like leftover tracks, like. Originally, they wanted Use Your Illusions to be four discs. Oh, my God. One disc to be all, like, all punk covers. So that is what ended up being Spaghetti Incident. So okay, so basically, they couldn't get their crap together, so they put that one out because they had it in the can. Uh, yeah, I think they were just like, this is way too bloated. Like, these two albums, like, that's not a double album, but, like, two separate on the same day. I think they're like, we're, that's all we're putting out. Yeah, and, and that was back when you had to buy a CD, so, like, people had to fork over, like, you know, 40 bucks just for the yeah, first two, right? All right, so speaking of cover songs, it's a good segue. They did a ton of covers. They've always done a lot of covers, but they did a ton of additional covers. They did some Pink Floyd. They did some Who, The Who. Um, if uh, if you could choose one cover for them to play that they don't already play, do you, do you have any thoughts on what it would be? Oh, man. Not like ones that they just didn't play on this tour, but... Correct. Like if they could like do like... I mean, I wouldn't advocate that they do Prince, but like if they could do like... Doves Cry, or if they could do, I was saying that somebody else, like, um, you know, 
Axel's been doing a lot of ACDC lately, so we don't have to really wish for that. But like, what if they did Thunderstruck? That'd be cool. Or like, you know. Last night, actually. What's that? My friend went in Miami last night and said it was incredible. I bet it was great. I didn't realize that he was here with ACDC in North Carolina in Greensboro on on Saturday, I think. And I just didn't know. I didn't find out until yesterday. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would have gone. I actually contemplated going to Atlanta tomorrow night to see it on, like, short notice. But, um, yeah, that's just dumb. Logistically, I'm a grown-up. I can't do that. Yeah, I still may. I still may, Bill. You know, it's not over yet. <laughs> but, it's, uh, yeah, and I was thinking about that because uh, they would cover a whole lot of Rosie, which you know I am kind of indifferent about the song. Yeah. Um, you know, Roses would, and then I thought about this ACDC thing. And I, I used to like them, but it was more just like Back in Black and like ACDC Live. Yeah. Like your standard. Yeah. Um. So I was not. I was just pretty indifferent about going to this. But then I thought about it because uh, my friend went last night and I was thinking this morning, like, hey, ACDC, they have awesome songs. Like, they Matt do. Black, awesome album, like, start to finish. Yep. And then they have a bunch of other great songs. And then Axel's voice, it's, you know, a lot more like Brian Don. Like, it's way closer than you'd think. Like, you know, yeah, like, oh, like, he's there. I mean, he... And he's in great. Axel would kill these songs. Like he would be so. Well, that's what I mean. Like Axel is primed to do ACDC songs because he's killing his own songs. Like he's got it. So why not? So uh, you should go. Aren't they coming up your way soon? Yeah, I think it's in a couple weeks. Yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely think I'm going to do it. You should go. That was the first time I saw Guns N' Roses person play. I saw ACDC in like '99 or 2000, and Slash's Take Pit opened. That's cool. Yeah, they played uh, Mr. Brownstone. Very cool. Um, what about, okay, so any other co- covers that come to mind or not really? Um, I, don't, I don't know. They already do so many that are awesome. Like, they, uh, what you should look up is Salt of the Earth. Okay. Play, it's not necessarily the covers. I like when they do, you know, like they did Free Fall and like Axel, Axel and Izzy came out with huh. Tom Petty at like the Video Music Awards back in the day. Um, that's cool but now when they opened for the Rolling Stones and did Salt of the Earth Axel and Izzy and that's like one of the best things you can hear okay um, that's a that's a great cover alright so we'll... yeah like they were on do you remember when Freddie Mercury died and yeah like, oh and they did knock on Heaven's Door that was amazing yeah and then yeah they like they hit them with Elton John and like they even got to do like it was crazy they were the biggest band in the world they got to do like uh we Will Rock You and Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, they're Queen's probably two... Yeah, two most movies. epically famous slash just epic songs. Uh, epically epic, if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they, it really... All right, so that's actually pretty good there. Any good people-watching show stories from either the Vegas or the New York show? You were in the pit in New York. That must have been pretty cool. Um, it was and it wasn't. It wasn't all that exciting, to be honest. Especially in Vegas, I thought it was would be a lot crazier. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't too much. My, um, we saw Penelope Cruz. Sweet. At MetLife, that was funny. Although I think she was just there for Lenny Kravitz and was walking out. Um, <laughs> she was the only one. No offense to Lenny, I love the guy, but come on, come on, Penelope, stay backstage at least and chill out with Lenny. Jeez. Oh, uh, my friend caught my actual mic both nights in Vegas. That's amazing. That was- that's the story. Wait, he caught it both nights? 
<laughs> and then Rolling Stone interviewed him after because he caught the mic two nights in a row with their first shows back. And then, yeah, Rolling Stone interviewed him. And then someone else from the pits went at him in the comments section, like, ripping on him that he was like, you know. A microphone, a microphone catching fiend. Yeah. He's like. Yeah, he, it bounced off my hand. And I said, I was so slow. And he just was like on the ground. So he got the first two. My, I mean, like just just to get one, and then he got two. That's that's a good people watching story. And you were part of it. Uh, Tangentially, just walked in. She wants to join the Guns N' Roses. Oh yeah, what's up? My cousin Jory's in the house. Hey Jory. Hi. Good to see you. I'm talking to Bill about G N R, which was. Oh yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. We've got the uh, ability to edit if we need to, but it's always good to have a little interlude. Uh, all right, dude, so you mentioned this earlier, and I've, you mentioned in Vegas it was obviously they were a little awkward, they were a little not ready, et cetera. How did you feel the band interacted when you went to MetLife? Do you feel like it got better? Did you? What were your thoughts on their interactions or lack thereof or whatever you might think? Yeah, it got way better. And I, I don't think Vegas was that bad. I mean, it was more that the next show was so much better. Correct. Um, okay. It was more, but like back in the day, Slash used to like run all over the place. Like he had the wireless, you know, yep. guitar sprint back and forth across the stage. And when we saw him in Vegas, he like stood there the whole time. It was kind of sad because he like ran like 10 steps at the end of the show and the crowd like started cheering, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's been working on his cardio though, because he ran a pretty good. Not not he's not running like Axel's running right now, but he ran a pretty good amount in Phoenix. I mean, and yeah, it was air conditioned. Like when they played a strange and they had that huge like it turned all blue like the ocean. He was like all the way up on the top. Yep, like, that was badass. Like he was running all around. It was it was way better. There still wasn't like real interaction between him and Axel. Like they would correct, yeah, kind of, but it was like they're doing their own things and like not. It was almost. They never had like any real interaction. No, I no, not, not really. Uh, I not really. I, I did read just randomly last night as I was kind of just prepping for another couple interviews on this. Like um, apparently they were seen late night at the end of the tour or the end of the LA shows. Like the two of them went up to the pool with like some like apparently some quote scantily clad models, whatever, for some pizzas. So like. That's cool if they at least were doing like the rock star thing together. It probably helps them dip their toes back into like maybe being friendly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that story. Yeah, I was in Rolling Stone. I kind of, I kind of Googled like, I kind of just Googled like not in this lifetime LA and like it, it, I wormholed it and got to there. So that's cool. And then apparently Axel ordered 50 egg sandwiches for everybody before he went to bed at five in the morning. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether it's true or not, the legend grows. Um, so let me ask you this, because I know, you know, whatever, we, we've got, you know, plenty to talk to, about, but um, do you think this lineup will write and release new music? I don't know. Well, they are, rumors came out yesterday that's confirmed that they're recording new music. Wow, that's, Bill, breaking it, man. I had no idea. Yeah, but it's so like when Axel was doing Chinese Democracy, he finished like three albums worth of music and released one of them. Correct. Out, you know, he had 15 years. <laughs> you know, he has a lot of songs, and I've heard you know 
a lot of those songs, that was a kind of annoying thing about Chinese Democracy, which I think is a pretty cramping album. Um, you like that album? Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's not, it's like an Axel album. It's all like pretty big and ballady and yeah. whatnot, but yeah, I think it's cool. I like Buckethead a lot, and yeah, he's all over that album, so. Got it. I like it, uh, but there's a lot of leftover songs, and I hear that Slash and Duff are just in recording parts over those, as opposed to them actually writing new music together. Okay. They're recording some songs that Axel already had done with the other dudes. Well, I'm not going to lie. If I think that counts. Like If they're on the studio record and it's a new release, in my mind, if it's if you get three-fifths of Guns N' Roses, um, including Axel and Slash, you, you're, you know, you're, you're Guns N' Roses in my mind. So, I mean, I, I, I'm into it. I just would like to hear, because, like, the songwriting process, them more than, like, any band really takes all of them. Like, I used to think, yes. I used to think way more, like, classic rock than he is, but if you go to, like, Velvet Revolver and hear and his solo stuff, it's way more, like... Metally, right? Punk-driven. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk, yeah. But, like, kind of heavier, like, um, kind of like Locomotive. Yeah, great know? song, by the way. He did Coma, like that's a Slash song, which I, I think that's why I was included is because I, I bet that was part of the deal was like... Yeah, what do you think um, about... All right, dude, you work... songs, we're going to play Coma. Yeah, so you work with a lot of, you know, you work with a lot of bands. I mean, you see a lot of probably the brokering of whose songs even gets in the record, but do you kind of feel like it was one of those deals where, yeah, Slash was like, I'm doing the Godfather solo, I'm doing Dark Side of the Moon with Richard Fortas, and we're doing Coma, I don't care how long it is. You think something like that happened? <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think definitely on Coma, that's how that got in there. Especially because Coma, like at the end for Axel Sing, is like really hard. I mean, it's a Ballsy. lot of fast, yeah. fast words, and you know, he was kind of struggling before to sing at all. Um, the solos, Axel, like that was the thing that was annoying about the old thing, the old, you know, the hired people is that. Axel likes the solo so he can go off and like change clothes and like catch his breath. Correct. Like, he's having an in like tank thing, you know, like compartment that you go like sit in. <laughs> yeah, so if he gets a five minute, ten minute solo, he gets to recuperate. That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, he is 54 years old. That's fair. But I think Coma, I think it was like, okay, we'll play some of these Chinese democracy songs, but like we're going to play Coma and some other things that. Which is fair because I was kind of wondering how the, how that much Chinese democracy got into the the set list and frankly, yeah, that makes sense. It's probably brokered. Obviously, it was brokered. There's lawyers everywhere for this. Um, all right, so it sounds like it sounds like you do it. What's unless, yeah, yeah. I'm sure actually, unless Chinese democracy songs today. Correct. That makes sense. I mean, they got they got to try to move those records. What um. Yeah. It sounds like you want them to to, to to do this to release those either pre-written or re-release, you know, redone songs. Do you think, or how do you think it will re- resonate with the public? I have no clue. I yeah. mean, I don't think I don't think they could ever return to where they were. Correct. I mean, I don't, it's never going to be 1991 again. You know, uh, but. I think people would like it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think people would go crazy, but I think if they released a new album that had the original members, like, 
even if it sounded exactly like Chinese democracy, yep. people would like it because it was like, oh, this is yeah, or or they just fucking just hate it. Yeah, yeah right. But I do I think I do think this like, like big hit. yeah, yeah, yeah. I never video and you know Guns N' Roses is playing. Right, but I feel like they've really awakened a lot of like because they have a huge fan base. They always have. They always will until we all die and they'll probably die before their fan base does just in terms of mortality but like the point is like um i think a lot of like people who like loved guns and roses and then kind of like put that away because they were no longer like a touring band as we remember them like I, and i put myself in that category like i've loved guns and roses hugely now four times in my life so once in 1987 you know and basically all the way through but probably even more so from like 91 to 94 then again, kind of like 98, 99 in college, and then literally now in 2016. So like that old music holds up. And like here I am asking that question because part of me wants to be like, I didn't really get into Chinese democracy, but like I just saw them on tour. If they gave me something in the next 15 months and then supported that record with another tour, I'm all in. And I think it's a lot of people like me. Yeah. I agree. And I'm not really a big concert goer. Like, I hadn't been to a stadium show in like 15 years. It's, yeah, I think, I think people, I think people could like it. I mean, it'll be good. Yeah. I can guarantee that. I'll like it. Um, It's just the whole image of them. Can that be restored? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, you know? Correct. Um, Axel just be, but I think Axel's, gaining some respect like he was really far down you know like everyone just kind of made fun of him um right he didn't do much of it but like i think he's trying now like he's on time to every show and there hasn't been that many ridiculous things i mean there is that you know meme of him you know the fat actually tried to sue to get it removed. <laughs> well, you know what? Once you're a meme, it's tough to get that off the interweb, you know? Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. It's pretty amazing. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? We've all, we all have to hit bottom, respectively. But I think to your point, like, when he shows up and sounds good and runs around like a madman and belts it out and plays that grand piano, like, everybody's in. You know, it's just like he, yeah. he, he can't act like it's 1988 anymore and he can do whatever he wants. He's got to actually play ball, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, and he's allowed to be pretty ridiculous. I mean, oh, yeah. He's ridic- as long as he like, shows up for shows and sings. For shorts and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. no. Oh, he can dress, he can dress her. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants as long as he shows up, you know, and, and sings good. So, yeah. sings well. So, nice. All right, man. So, what else are we looking for on Axis Monday besides the Jack Killen release? Um, is Tropical doing anything new or anybody else? Uh, is Tropical not at the moment? I think they're they're gonna do a tour coming up pretty soon, but uh, I think just in Europe. Um, Jack Killen, that's coming out. Yep. Uh, single out tomorrow or video tomorrow. Single on Friday. Okay, so September first uh, and September second, two thousand sixteen. Yep. Jack Killen drops. Okay. Exactly, and then we got this band Dumb out of Austin. Uh, they're really good. We're re-releasing their first album and then uh, putting out their second album. Cool. Uh, Robbie's got some songs coming. Nice. That's my cousin Robbie for the filibuster freestyle fans out there. Cousin Rob, what's his what's his stage name? We know yet. That's a good question. Still working on it. Okay. 
Well, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. Anyway, all right, man. Well, Bill, listen, I will get you out of here, but thank you for being part of the Megacast. Uh, I will let you know when it's up, and if you have anybody else who wants to you know, weigh in, who's a big GNR fan, let me know. Um, and then uh, stick around for a minute. We'll catch up, but appreciate having you on, man. Okay, and finally, last but not least, least but not last, just kidding, he is last but not least, my buddy Bob Sullivan, first time on the show, is coming up next. Uh, Bob went to at least three, if not four, of the Guns N' Roses concerts this summer in various cities. Really excited to hear what he has to say, so here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, a big treat. It is the man that I went to Guns N' Roses with, along with our buddy Sparkin, Timmy Larkin. It's Bob Selvin in the Freestyle. What's up, Bob? What's happening? Good to be on the filibuster Freestyle. First time. First time, long time, right? That's what we're talking about. Um, First time, short time. That's right. What I enjoyed was that because you don't have Facebook, it was your parents who had to tell you the podcast existed. Um, You know, kind of was like technology working backwards there, you know? I actually thought for... I guess, I guess my parents are cooler than me. Maybe. Well, I, think, well, I think we can definitely agree on that. Not because you're not cool. It's because they're so cool. Uh, what I would also say is for about two years of being friends with your dad on Facebook, I assumed it was you. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, I just don't think that's Bob. <laughs> Bob Sr., that is. And uh, shout out to him and Sylvia, your mom. All right, man. So we went to Guns N' Roses together. We'll get into that. But you went to either three or four this summer, right? I went to three. Vegas, Atlanta, and uh, Arizona with you. Okay. And so the Atlanta one, you're the only guy that I'm going to talk to or gal that I'm going to talk to about this on air who went to that show. So I'll be interested to hear about that one. But which Vegas show did you go to? The first night or the second night? Second night. Saturday night. Okay. Which, uh, which uh, up until the show started, we weren't sure it was going to happen. Yeah. I mean – I, I got to feel like when you told me back in April after you saw them, hey, guys, you're coming to Phoenix. We're going to see Guns N' Roses in August. I thought I was throwing uh, a plane ticket out the window in terms of going to see Guns N' Roses. Now, I'm glad I got to see you and your two dogs. That being said, you know, I didn't think Guns N' Roses were going to make it all summer. So how about that, first of all? I, I don't think anybody did. I, we weren't sure they were going to make it the first night after Axel broke his leg. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't he on Dave Grohl's uh, throne for a while there? Is that what he was doing? He was. Definitely not as exciting as the other two shows with him just sitting there. Yeah, I can only imagine. But he was unbelievable. So let's talk about, because I talked a little bit about the Guns N' Roses show with uh, with Bill Toast from Axis Moody Records. And uh, what was your favorite? Uh, did you see Don't Cry for an encore? Or did you see, um, oh my God. I saw both. They, uh, they, they kind of changed it out with Don't Cry. I saw, I believe, in Vegas. Okay. Okay, so you got to see both. Because my biggest regret is that they didn't play "Don't Cry" when we were in Arizona. So, did they play every song? But they played "Patience," which I think is better. It's a better song, and frankly, it's it was I can't I can't complain. It was fantastic. Um, are there any songs you wish they had played in all the three shows you went to that they didn't? Oh, man, I'll tell you a couple of mine. Yeah, they did. They played for, what, two and a half hours? Two and a half hours, no breaks. I mean, Axel looked great. Guy was moving around, shaking. Um, well, a couple of the songs I wish they played were Dead Horse, Locomotive, Double Talking Jive. Some of the songs off the end of Use Your Illusion 2, they're pretty sweet. Uh, I would have loved one of those, but 
To your point, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, they didn't play at the show we went to that I heard at uh, the first show. It was by Michelle. Yeah. And did you tell me that that's where you saw Sebastian Bach from Skid Row do that? He did do that. Maybe that's why they didn't do it in Arizona. Now, he wasn't available. Yeah, right. I heard this rumor that Sebastian Bach is the guy who helped Axel get his voice back. Did you hear about this or not? I did not hear. How does, how does another human being help somebody else get their voice back? Well, apparently, and again, I'm not a singer-songstress like Christina Aguilera, but... Uh, when you put drilling threes, that's right. I was fishing for a compliment. We got one. America's favorite party band. Uh, now the bottom line was Axel. The way he's been singing for his whole life is pretty, you know, hard on his voice. And apparently Sebastian Bach taught him a way to do it without actually damaging his vocal cords. And obviously it worked because the dude was phenomenal. And I saw him in Phoenix at the end of the tour. So props to Sebastian Bach of Skid Row. So much more than just a singer, a teacher. I think you got to get him on the freestyle. We'd love to get him on the freestyle. Here's the plan. First, we get you. Next, we get the great Justin Roberts of WWE ring announcing fame. Then we get the guy from Lit or the guy from Sponge who we saw at the McDougal Casino. And then we get Sebastian Bach. That's the move. Well, so you got Everclear, too. Oh, if we can get Art on the show, that'd be great. Um, all right, let's talk about Atlanta. What was the show like in Atlanta? Was a place sold out? Was it a one-night-only deal? It wasn't. You know what's funny is, uh, you know, I, I work a lot of the UFC events, and I flew into Atlanta that night, Wednesday night. Yep. Got to the hotel, which is right by the, uh, what's that, the, what dome, what's that dome? The Georgia, the Georgia dome. dome, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was obviously an event going on, and, uh, you know, figured out it was Guns N' Roses that night, so I went online, saw there was still $35 nosebleeds available, I said, screw it. Uh, I had two options. Go to Hooters for dinner with my buddy. Yep. Or go to Guns N' Roses solo. Uh, and you made the, Roses, made the right I choice. Made, I made the right choice. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Hooters, Hooters solo would be, would be, and it wasn't a choice, Hooters solo would be the saddest. Um, yep. Hooters with your buddy, I mean, you can do that the next time you're in Atlanta. Guns N' Roses solo, that's cool in two, that's cool on two levels. One, you went to Guns N' Roses solo, and two, you got to see them an extra time, and to our point earlier, there was no guarantee they were going to make it to Phoenix. So, I mean... You know, the best part, I was walking to the box office to get, you know, a $35 upper deck seat, figuring as long as you're in the building, who cares? Right. Uh, ran across a scalper, ended up with a floor seat 32 rows back for 100 bucks. Worth it all, all day long. That reminds me... It was, it was actually the, the cheapest ticket out of the three and the, the best seat. Which goes to show you two things. One, stub hubs are, and scalpers are always going to be better sometimes. Two, that reminded me of my favorite story from my experience at Guns N' Roses, which was the woman who was diagonally in front of us, who was, and I already told the story earlier in the podcast, because you'll be the final one on here, but the lady who would kept rushing people past her so that she could see the stage, and it's like, sweetie, you're sitting next to a staircase to the field. People are going to be using it all night. Might want to chill out a little bit. Well, it didn't help. She was four foot eight. Right, you might want to stand on your chair, in which case then I would have been upset, but that's okay. But the good thing about a concert is you just need your ears. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It wasn't like we were going to an art viewing. <laughs> you know, like, I can't see that. You can hear pretty well. And by the way, there's giant video screens of Axl Rose everywhere. You're good. Uh, was she by herself, or was she, was she with that guy? She was with that guy, and I could tell she was because with I that guy. I feel like as the night went along, he kind of distanced himself. As if he didn't know her. I think he may 
have broken up with her in the car or that was like an emerging relationship in which he realized at that moment that the relationship was over. Either way, yeah, he, he did not enjoy Guns N' Roses. He, he was the one guy in Phoenix that did not enjoy Guns N' Roses that night that went to the concert at University of Phoenix Stadium, for sure. Um, well, besides that lady being a complete, like, usher, to, you know, the best usher in the world, keep it moving, folks. Um, what were some of your favorite moments from Guns N' Roses, whether it was Vegas, Atlanta, or, or Phoenix? Oh, I think, for sure, I, th- I think for sure Vegas, just when they came out uh, and opened and you heard them for the first time. You know, that, I've been a long time Guns N' Roses fan and never got to go to a show uh, back when they were touring. So just to actually see them on stage, Slash, Axel, all the guys, and hear them, you know, open up, uh, it was kind of surreal that I was there. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's phenomenal that you got to go. My my, my cousin's buddy, or got, he caught the mic one night, or maybe both nights. He caught Axel's, you know how Axel throws his mic out? Oh, really? The dude caught the mic, which is pretty cool. You know what my other favorite moment was? When our buddy Tim Larkin was trying to get beers from the vendor and uh, let everybody, everybody in the building <laughs> cut him in line. Lessons learned. <laughs> not, not, the, not the most aggressive uh, beer buyer out there. No, a nice beer buyer. He's, he's there for everybody else. It just make sure there's some left for us because you were in line first. It's kind of like one of those you're waiting all, all, you know, for a little while for the beer guy to come down the stairs. He finally gets there and you slowly watch him give every <laughs> single beer out to everyone around you that just showed up. <laughs> and, and you just watch and there's, there's three of us. Well, there were four of us but three of us drinking. And you see like, we're down to five beers. <laughs> it's like we all could have had two. Now one of us is only going to get one. That's you, Larkin. <laughs> <laughs> Grow a pair and get in there. That's good stuff right there. Uh, all right, let me ask you this, man. Uh, any, we talked about this in the pre-show. Any cover songs? Because they do a lot of covers. They did a lot of covers. Uh, any covers that you really liked they did, whether it was, um, you know, obviously, Knocking on Heaven's Door is a cover. They did that Who song, The Seeker. They did a couple other covers. What was your favorite cover? Uh, the Wish You Were Here instrumental was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. But, you know, it was Slash, and I think uh, was Duff involved in that? I think Duff was involved, and Richard Fortas is the other guitar player, and I've since learned. Because I'm not going to lie, after that show, I went all the way in on Guns N' Roses like I was 15. Like I was like 11 again. So yeah, the, best, the best part of I Wish You Were Here is knowing November Rain's coming up next. Yeah, which is f- fantastic. Well, you said, because one of the questions I had for you, and we were joking on the pre-show that the answer was not much. The interaction the band had on stage with each other, especially Axel and Slash, the answer is not much. But no, they, I don't even really remember him. Uh, I think, did he go around and introduce the band members at any point? He, I know on the Vegas show he did. Yeah, he did. He did it, I think, after the uh, after November Rain or like after Layla or something like that. He, he announces the band. Um and it's just a quick, like, 10-second deal. Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? You know what it is? It was right before they started playing the Godfather thing. Okay. So you know how he does the theme of the Godfather? Slash does, and then they go right into Sweet Child of Mine? Yeah. Whatever they played before the Godfather thing, Axel introduced the band, he has Slash last, and then Slash starts playing the Godfather concerto thing, and then they, they rock it out. But Which also was kind of cool. I never knew that they did that, because I never saw them show before either. Um... What about cover yeah, song? Go ahead. There's, there's not much interaction, that's for sure. No, I mean... There was, there was about as much interaction with them as there was with Larkin and the beer. 
Right. They eventually made it work because it was a business transaction, but neither one of them was very comfortable being there. <laughs> That's well said. Um, all right. Do you have a favorite people watching story from any of the concerts? Which I did not give you in the pre-show. I mean, I mean all, all people watching. There was this lady in Vegas. We were, we were up in the uh, 200 level section, row two. And uh, we were right by the aisle. And this lady came down and was just grinding on the railing. <laughs> you know, she was just bottom of the steps, 200 section. Just absolutely getting it on with the steps and the railing. It, it was, uh, <laughs> she definitely had everyone's attention. Yeah, I was going to say, way to make it about you. <laughs> I, I think she actually lasted about 15 minutes before she got uh, taken back to her seat, probably in around 55. So uh, how about how old was this woman? Was she like in her 30s, in her 50s, in her 20s? Uh, she, I'm going to go 50s. Okay, so she was a hardcore original fan. Yeah, she was. I think she shopped at Forever 21 that morning, though. Oh, good. That's always good when a 50-year-old person shops at Forever 21. Um <laughs> By the way, just because the store is called Forever 21 doesn't mean you actually look Forever 21. Just putting that out there for all the filibuster freestyle fans who may think otherwise. You're a lot smarter than others, Gavin. Well, that's why it's, you know, I, it's the company I keep. It's the company I keep. Uh, any uh, moment of the show, so you like to wish you were here. Do you think, like, for instance, Paradise City was her closer? Can you think of a song you would rather have them close with, or was that perfect? It is, and I've seen you do it, and I've seen you do it well. Uh, that's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you know what? It's such a great song, and I feel like they have to close with it, but man, it's such a, you know, it kind of sucks when that song ends and you know it's over. Yeah, especially because they played... I mean, look at look at uh, Welcome to the Jungle. I think they play that third or fourth, and it just it just sets the mood for the night. You know, it's just a, it's another classic tune, and... You know, you know you've got another hour and a half of, of Guns N' Roses. You know, Paradise City comes on. You're going to enjoy it, but in the back of your head, you're like, this is it. I mean, there was a part of us that was running up the stairs, even though it was ending, because we were just like, let's beat traffic, you know? Uh, what I would have done if I was them, I would have played, like, the, all the songs from Chinese Democracy last. So, like, people like me could have left, because, I mean, I didn't really get into the Chinese Democracy. Did you? I did not. No, no, they weren't. So what was interesting is they played a lot of Chinese democracy, and I'm sure part of it was like, let's do these songs because Axel took 15 years to release the record, and then when he toured to support that record, it was just him and Buckethead. It wasn't like Guns N' Roses. So like, but they put a lot of Chinese democracy into the show. I thought, did you? I think they put a lot of money into that album too. Well, yeah, it took him 15 years to make it. He fired the whole band twice. Worth every penny, I suppose. Uh, so, my favorite. What, what was your favorite song? Well, uh, that's kind of an unfair question. No, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I mean, one of the answers is besides Chinese democracy, everything. Okay, fine. But I would say, and I mean, obviously, Paradise City, November Rain, like epic jams. I thought seeing Axel on the piano was a lot of fun. But if I had to go with one, it would be Civil War. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because Civil War, I believe, was on the back 
of like yesterday's or 14 years or maybe even like um, You Could Be Mine. Back when we had tape singles, it was the B, it was the B side for some big hit. And I remember like when we were kids, you'd flip over the B side and it would nine times out of ten it would stink, you know. And you're like, oh, thanks a lot for giving me the second song I'll never listen to again. And I remember doing that and flipping it over to side B with Civil War when I was a kid and being like, oh my God, this is like the best song I've ever heard in my life. Like, you know, because my expectations were super low. And anyway, to see them do that live was fantastic. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, I also enjoyed Estranged. Oh my God, Estranged. Estranged is so good because like, I feel like it was like the ninth radio hit from the Use Your Illusion like double album. But like, it could have easily been the, the first hit. Like, you, you know, by, by the time we learned about it, we were already kind of like, yeah, 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 it's a great record. But that song, like, I don't know anybody who doesn't like that song. Uh, and it's a long tune, so they just jam out for about 10 minutes. Yeah, one of the best parts about them playing two and a half hours is because they've got so many long songs and they just rock out to all of them. There's no mega mixes. There's no mashups. It's just like, hope you have 20 minutes before you go to the bathroom because we're playing all the strange. And we're going to add a couple more riffs. Now what about this? You know what? I kind of wish they had played, uh, I don't know if this is the title, but is it Get in the Ring? Oh, yeah. That's the one I wanted to hear, too. That, that would have been amazing. Get in the Ring. I was thinking about this, because I think I brought this up to either Cindy Harrington or Bill Toast. Like, maybe they were afraid people were going to start fighting each other in the aisles. Like, for instance, like that guy might have, like, Larkin might have punched the beer manager. I don't know. <laughs> Give me all the beer! Get in the ring! Well, who knows what would have happened to that uh, four-foot-eight lady in front of us. Something tells me she would have taken a couple people out, but in the end, she would have gotten tossed over the railing. WWE style. Speaking of WWE, the Bella Twins were there. The Bella Twins were there, and uh, we got to go with WWE ring announcer Justin Roberts. Former ring announcer Justin Roberts. I mean, the stars were in the house, man. And... Justin Roberts, shout out to him, got us like past an hour and a half restaurant wait in like 15 seconds. So, yeah. And he saved us on an Uber. Saved us on an Uber. He drove us in the Escalade. Boom, double boom. And uh, we, you know, we can't wait to get him on the show to talk about his, his forthcoming book, by the way. Uh, all right, so let me ask you this. What if Guns N' or do you think Guns N' Roses is going to write and release any new music now that they're back together and doing South American tours and Australian tours and stuff like that? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. And, and I and I hear they're only doing these tours because they lost they lost money on the tour. Not not Guns N' Roses themselves, but whoever the promoter promoter, and that's why they added these shows. I think they got one coming up in October in Peru. Yeah. Huge in Peru, literally. They're huge in Peru. Uh, All over South America, so which is amazing that they lost money because I mean it wasn't Vegas was sold out, uh, Atlanta wasn't, and I don't think Phoenix was. Yeah, but I mean they're playing some enormous venues and ticket prices weren't cheap, and everybody there had on a Guns N' Roses T-shirt. Right, that they bought for forty dollars in the parking lot. You know, right. which the markup on T-shirts is is a lot better. You know, forty dollars is a big markup. Yeah, uh, used to be. I sure did. Uh, it was a <laughs> that was uh, that guy Mike. Mike, yeah, it was Mike's shirt. He was not. He did not smell very good, and we had to play on words. Filibuster. Oh, what's that? 
Watch out for the filibuster. Don't worry, Bob. I guess so. It's like the curtain call here. I don't know how we even got there. I don't want to hit stop though because we're recording. Hopefully it stops. Oh, yeah. Just like nothing happened. There must have been a track down below. Anyway. All right. Yeah, exactly. It would be if it was estranged. We would be in for a long, long haul here. All right. Would you would you want Guns N' Roses to write any new songs? Or are you good just the fact that you got to see them? I mean, I, I mean, we don't. Here's the problem: if they write new songs and go on tours, that they're gonna play those songs. Yeah, they, like Chinese they, Democracy. They, right. Now, now we're going to the concert and we're losing out on your appetite songs and your usual illusion songs because they gotta play these new songs. That's true. Yeah. You know what I would rather? Yeah, I would rather that they. If they're gonna tour again, I'd assume you'll see the same exact tour next year. Yeah, just do it, just like Steve Miller band. Just, just do it to the sunset. If it ain't broke. The only thing I would say, I just thought of another cover. I wouldn't mind them doing. Um, you know how Slash and obviously Matt Sorum, former former drummer from Guns N' Roses, and Duff were in Velvet Revolver with the now late great Scott Weiland. I wouldn't mind Axel doing a little fall to pieces. That could be cool. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on their Twitter account. Boom. Do you, uh, you think Slash would allow him to do a Velvet Revolver song? I mean, do you, do you? Well, I guess my answer is this: I do because I heard or I read something that after the last LA show, Slash and Axel went up to the rooftop pool with like 15 models and like 100 hamburgers. <laughs> so I'm guessing they either. Got into a huge fist fight, or like they're now buddies? Because it sounds like hamburgers, models, end of the tour together. I feel like maybe they would do a Velvet Revolver song or two. I don't know. That's a lot of hamburgers for two guys, because you know the models are eating. I was going to say, the models aren't going to eat any hamburgers, and Axel and Slash, though bigger than they used to be, that's a lot of hamburgers. I mean, yeah. frankly, that's, that's, that's 50 hamburgers each. Yeah, no, I definitely think that Axel has not aged well, or you know, I think he's aged like anybody else who's now fifty-four years old that used to be twenty-five and we knew them at their peak. But I think Slash looks the exact same. He might have a little bit of a gut, but he wears like the kind of clothes that cover that up. Like you know, Slash looks the exact same, yeah. and he never he never once speaks to the crowd, which is so badass. I don't think anybody talks to the crowd. No. Axel literally would just like go nuts and then he'd be like, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I like that though. No, it was all business. It was all business. They gave us all the, all the songs. Um, all right, man, let me ask you this. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. Unless you have any other favorite memories from seeing them three times this summer. Nah, just the fact that you said I saw them three times this summer is pretty unreal. Yeah, it is. I mean... But whoever thought that we'd see them. Ever, let alone you got to see him three times in three cities. That was cool. Um, what do you think about Axel singing for ACDC? I love it. I haven't heard it, to be honest. So I almost went, like, the week I got back from seeing them, there was some, like, three-day break in their tour where Axel was going to literally come to uh, Atlanta. And I almost drove down there to see him sing ACDC. I didn't do it. But everybody that I know who's seen it says it's great. Uh, well, I'd imagine it's great. He sounded great. Yeah, he did. But Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just heard from people that it's fantastic. And I feel like 
you know, he, he's killing it, and those songs are perfect for what he does. All right, let's go way off topic. You work UFC fights sometimes, correct? Correct. Are you working UFC 205 in Madison Square Garden? I am not, but I saw the press conference yesterday. What did you think of the press conference? Hey, you know what? I thought Alvarez did pretty good. Uh, when he told the notorious there to take his sunglasses off, yep. and then he took them off and said, you're not going to make me take them off. And then Alvarez goes, you just, you just took them off. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. That's awesome. Um, do you have any predictions yeah, on that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's several in the fight. Uh, it's a huge card. I think uh, there's three title fights, and then Weidman is also fighting, I believe. Yeah. I don't know I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Yeah, he's been around in a while. Do you have any uh, predictions on McGregor and uh, Alvarez? Yeah, I think so too. I think he did a good job avenging his last loss to Diaz. I feel like he fought like t- five weeks ago, though. Is he going to be ready for this? The question is, I mean, he didn't seem like he was ready for Diaz five weeks ago. He was, after two rounds, he was gassed. Did you watch that fight? I did, yeah. I caught it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he just destroyed Diaz in the first round. I think even part of the second and then towards the latter rounds he was just gassed I think he ran out of gas yeah no doubt he was trying to end it, end it and end it early to be decisive but he, he was staying up and he, he took some punches and I mean you guys took a boatload of punches to the, I mean that was just a great fight uh, I just don't know what you do with his other title yeah I don't either he's had it for so long and hasn't defended it yeah he's probably not ever going back that weight class either I would think right so well, isn't he trying to win this title? And then if he wins this title, I bet he relinquishes the other belt. Well, that's what Dana White said. If if he gets both, he has to decide which one he wants to get rid of. Gotcha. Obviously, if Alvarez wins, he'll keep the, he'll one, keep he the one he's got. Tell you what, that's not bad. <laughs> Options. But it was also funny the way McGregor was saying how Alvarez took a lot less money because he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. He was going off, and then did you see the part where I forget who it was, but some guy in the back of the day I was like, I'll fight you next. He's like, who are you? Who are you? I have no idea who you are. Who are you? <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Uh, That's going to be a hot ticket to get for sure. Oh, my God, man. First ever UFC event in, in New, York, New York State, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, All right, man. They, well, they, they might have had one a, a long time ago before it was banned. Yeah, back when they were, people were gouging eyes and biting off noses and stuff, which is why it was banned in the first place. Uh, Probably. Probably a good idea. All right, brother. Well, listen, I'm going to get you out of here. Now, stick around for a minute. We'll catch up. But uh, first of all, thanks for being on. We'll have you on again. Absolutely. And second of all, thanks for hosting us in Phoenix. That was fantastic. Hey, candy store misses you. I miss the candy store. Absolutely. And by the way, I miss Taco Tuesday. So uh, I'll come back soon and we'll be able to do a little, a little double header there. You know what I mean? And it's the, uh, it's the sandbar, not the sandbox. Sandbar. Just as good. All right, man. Yes. Thank you for being on, and then stick around for a minute. We'll catch you. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster Watch freestyle. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle.